much for being here uh, this morning. Today we're finishing off our series uh, we talked about the last few weeks called Essential Oil. And, and I'm talking more specifically about the essential oil. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and really more specifically about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about that for a few weeks. If you missed any time here since we started this, I encourage you, uh, you can go online to our website, you can listen uh, to our podcast and kind of catch yourself up to where we are. To this point will make a little more sense if you do that this morning. But I, 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 I'm, I'm really not, I'm not a hater of essential oils. I, I, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent, well, unless, of course, they're from Young Living. Then I'm not indifferent. Those things are expensive. Then I, I'm, I'm actually not a fan at all. But, but for the most part, I'm pretty, pretty indifferent on it, except for one essential oil. There is one that I do think is absolutely Absolutely essential, and it's the one I'm showing you here on the screen. <laughs> That's right. Yes, bacon grease. My favorite essential oil is bacon grease. Is there anybody with me on that this morning? A absolutely. Well, all right, let's, let's get down to business this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. And this morning, we're going to look at the parable of the, ten, of the ten bridesmaids. Now, I say bridesmaids this morning because that word really well describes what these ten women were. And I say that because there was a time when I thought the Bible was advocating some guy getting married to ten, to ten ladies. I, I was confused about that. I really, that's really true. And so uh, it, it isn't about that. This is where context is very, very important. So the word bridesmaids does a really good job of describing what these ten women were doing this morning. And so let's go today, uh, verse 1 of chapter 25 of Matthew. It says this, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. We'll call them Packers fans. Yeah, <laughs> That is, I always get a laugh out of that. It's a cheap laugh every time. Yeah, so five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the five other ones were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, oil, of course, we pause. Oil was important stuff. We, we know this. Oil was critical to their lives. Oil uh, was used in, in these times for everything. They used it for, for, for food, for cooking. They used it for cleaning. They used it for all kinds of things. So oil was a very significant, significant thing. And so what God does is God helps us to understand a very complex ideal and what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. God uses oil as an illustration of what this complex ideal is, that, that oil represents the Holy Spirit in the Word. And so this is, this is where we're at with this. And of course, as believers, if you're a Christian today, the Bible teaches that you are anointed. So you are called to walk in your anointing. Now, not everybody is anointed in the same way. We're, we have different anointings, but we're all anointed this morning. That's, that's pretty important for us to grasp and, and understand here today. And this, again, is kind of symbolized by and given to Zechariah. If you look in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, 
Zechariah was a prophet. He was shown this, this vision of a great golden lampstand with two olive trees that were standing beside it. And these olive trees were, 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 were dripping oil into the bowls of the lampstand. Zechariah was explained what he saw with these words. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so Zechariah receives an illustration of what the anointing is. And that's what it is. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's anointing. That's a call God's given us. It's a blessing, it really is. And so let's continue today, verse 6. It says, at midnight... They were roused by the shouts. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, and they said, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Now, remember, this is midnight, right? And all that's open is Walmart. And, and, and that's, a bad, that's a bad deal at, at midnight to go have to go to Walmart. And so you know that's why this is so terrible. Some of you are like, well, I'm the one who goes to Walmart at midnight. But whatever. Uh, no, this is, this is serious business in verse 10. It says, but while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back in verse 12, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day nor the hour of my return. It's quite a passage. It really is. It's, it's a fantastic passage, and there's a lot here to go through. And of course, the, the point of this parable that Jesus tells here, the point of this is for helping us to see and understand that this leads us and shows us what a picture will be of when, when Jesus comes back to the church. This is the end times. This is a, a picture of how that's going to look. And so we can't get into all the details about what this is, but there is one thing that's very clear in this passage. That something separated these five women uh, from the other ones. And so something separated them uh, between them. And we're, we're, we're pointing out that that thing that separated them speaks to and points to the idea of anointing. But to understand what this is talking about, you have to first look at the context of this passage. The context is, of course, it's a wedding. Now, first century Jewish weddings were very different from uh, modern, modern American weddings. They were different in many ways, but one of the ways they were different is that back then, um, really, the, 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 the bride wasn't the focal point. It was, it was together, it was the family, or even some say it was the groom was the focal point. And of course, that could not be any more different from today. Like, for instance, when I got married uh, many years back, so Dale never forgets, when I came out, and uh, I'm, the course, the groom, and I came out with the minister, we stood in the front of the room, and people are there to watch me get married, and they couldn't care less, right? No one is watching, no one looks at us, they're still talking, they're still going on with their business, I mean, no one even knows we're there. And so I'm, we're standing there, things are still happening around us, and no one knows, and then all of a sudden, the music changes, and the wedding party comes in, it starts coming down the aisle, and of course, things get a little more serious at that point. And 
the ladies all look beautiful, the guys all look the same, right? You, ever, you know why all guys all wear tuxes, including the, the, the guy who's getting married? It's because if one goes down, uh, you just throw another one in there, right? Because we don't matter that much and when it comes to weddings. It's all about the bride, and it should be. Because when that moment came, when, for when my wife had come out, and it was a moment I will never forget, when those doors flung open, and the music changed, and there was fireworks, you know, and, and there was singing, and there was trumpets playing, and she comes walking down the aisle, and she looks so good and so beautiful. People are crying, including me, and everything's changing. And all eyes are on her, because she's the focal point in our wedding. And again, it should be that way. No one came to see me. They came to see, see her. But, but in those days, it was very, very different from how it was. Back in first century Jew Israel, the whole town would have been a part of the wedding. Started when the, when the groom made the call for the wedding to begin. And, and so the bride would be waiting in her home. And, and she'd be waiting for this moment to come. Now, she didn't know when it was coming. She would have known the whole details. She just knew they were engaged. It was coming soon. And so she knew that. And what would happen is when they got engaged, the, the, the groom would go to his parents' home and he would build a home on the property and prepare a place for them to live. And when it was done, that's when he made the call. And so when he made the call, the, the wedding party went to the home of the bride. They picked her up. And this could take minutes. This could take hours. Because sometimes they would just sit there and they would just have a party. They'd celebrate. They would, they would, they would dance. They would, they would eat. They would celebrate. And when it was done celebrating at the home of the bride, they'd move on to the next home and pick them up. And that could be the same thing where they're celebrating and eating and such. And they just kind of go throughout the entire day. They, just, they snake around town. And it's kind of like a, a, a snowball rolling down the side of a, of a snowy mountain. It picks up speed and it picks up size as it goes along. And that's what happened is that the party or the celebration has got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it finally got to the home of the groom. And of course, by this point, it was probably night. It was dark. This is before the time when they had street lights and car lights and any kind of lights. They just had, they had lamps that burned. And so one of the roles of the bridesmaids was a very important one. The bridesmaids, this was a place of high honor. Uh, the bridesmaids were the attendants to the bride, and they were also the hostesses for the party. And as hostess, their job was to lead the processional around town. And when it got dark, they would hold these giant lamps or these torches, and the whole party would follow them around as they got to the home of the groom. It was a very important job. You can, you can imagine what would happen if this job was not done right or not done well. And so here you have these ten ladies that have this job. And Jesus is trying to drive a home a point with this parable to compare and contrast these two groups of women. Some were wise and some were, were unwise. The wise had plenty of oil. The unwise uh, didn't have it enough to, to last. And so these, these five unwise, for whatever reason, were not prepared with enough oil to do the task that they were given. So Jesus is setting up for this like massive wedding blunder, right? And you can know, you can imagine, wedding blunders are, are, are bad. If you had one at your wedding, you have a story, right? Now, I, we really didn't. Our, ours went off pretty good, but 
when I was in college, my professor uh, who taught where our classes told us about one of the blunders that he, that he caused as a pastor. He said one of his first weddings, he, he had walked the couple through marriage counseling and, and he had done all the stuff. They had the church prepared. Things were all ready. Uh, the date was on the calendar. It was set. He, he knew about it. And so the day got there and the people showed up to the church. Uh, they, 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 they decorated it. There was, there was, the food was ready. The, the people were ready. The, the wedding party was there. Everyone was there except for the minister. He didn't show up. Or, or so far. And so they didn't know what was going on. They, they thought, well, maybe, maybe he's late. You know, maybe he's just running late. So they would wait a little bit and a little longer and a little longer. They stalled for a little bit. And finally, the, the mom called the, the guys home and he wasn't no answer. So they thought, well, maybe he's like on his way and he's just got stuck in traffic. And so they waited some more. And when it finally became evident that he wasn't showing up, they, they made a change. The, the, they sent all the people on to the reception. And the, the, the wedding party all went across the street to a courthouse. It was not far down the road. Uh, they, had, they, they had called a, a judge to come out on a Saturday to marry them in the courthouse. They're across the, from this church, and then they came back to church, and they had a celebration, and now they have a story to tell, right? And, and this pastor said, I, I never heard from them again, except when the mom called me angrily, explained to me what I did. And he said, I blew it because I, I forgot. He said, I was, I was fishing, and I completely forgot about that wedding. And so, so, so it was a wedding blunder. You don't want to see a wedding blunder happen to you, and that's the picture Jesus is painting here. That they are on the cusp of a wedding blunder. And they're there because of these five unwise women. These five unwise bridesmaids who are given this high job, this high position, this high role, this important role, and they, for whatever reason, were not prepared to do their responsibility. That, that, that's it's pretty unwise. And so this today is why I think they were unwise. The first reason, I think, is because they, they focused on the appearance rather than substance. If you look again at verse 3, it says that they took the lamps. So they had lamps. They, they were ready to a certain extent, but <coughs> they took lamps, but they, they didn't take enough oil. For whatever reason, they didn't take enough oil. And, and I think Jesus here wants us to ask the question, why? Why? Why would they be given this role, and why would they not take along enough oil? What happened here? What's the circumstance? What's surrounding this? And, and the truth is, we don't know. We weren't there. I wasn't there, and you weren't there. But I'm assuming that if they were bridesmaids, knowing their role, they probably had a lot of details to work through. They were probably dressed up. They were probably... Looking good. They're probably ready. They had all the stuff done. They had all the, the food and the, and the details worked out. So they had all this stuff done, and they focused on the appearance of being ready. Yet, they were not ready, the Bible says right here. They had appearance, but not substance. Why? I think Jesus wants us to ask the question, why? What would make these ladies in this high place this high honor, what would make them do something as drastic as this? 
I think Jesus is leading us to ask that question. And so this today, I, I, he, 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 would, he would ask us, well, why? Well, it, who knows why, right? We don't know the story. Oil was expensive. Oil took a lot of work to do. But I think he's leading us to come to the conclusion that there is a cost involved. And the wise ones paid the cost, and the foolish ones looked for a way out. The wise ones said, the cost is there. I will do this. The fools looked for a shortcut. And that brings us to the second place. The second one is they tried to pass the buck to someone else. Again, verse 8 says, they, they, they asked the woman that had some, they said, well, hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. We could spend a lot of time on this, on this, this part right here. We won't today. Don't worry. But, but they tried to have someone else bail them out before it was too late. Now, this refusal from these five wise women could seem to be a little mean, right? Like, how could you do this? I mean, here's these poor ladies. They're doing all this stuff. They're being busy. They got all the things. Maybe those five had a lot of stuff to do that day, and they felt overwhelmed, and they felt busy, and they had just so, so much stuff. And so they said, why would the ones who had say, I'm sorry, you can't have any from me? It seems mean. It seems kind of cruel to us nowadays from a modern perspective. But think about this for a moment. See, the Bible doesn't say they said, no, we don't care about you. The Bible says, and again, this passage here gives, makes it clear, they said, if we give you some of ours, there won't be enough. These women understood that if they gave away their part, not only would there be not five women that would have enough to light the, the, the torch to go in, that there would be no one who would be able to light the torch to go in. This would be a massive blunder. See, these women revealed something about their personality and character that Jesus wants us to see and understand here. You see, the, the last one is these, these women who were foolish didn't understand that it was all about the oil. Verse 10 says, When they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom them then came. Whatever the reason was, they, whatever the reason why they got this place, we know this, they were unwise. And it leads us to this conclusion that not taking the oil seriously is a serious problem. You, you contrast that with the, the foolish, with the wise, and we found that the wise were wise because they valued the oil. Again, this is a parable, so Jesus is explaining something to us. He's explaining a hard-to-grasp understanding, and he's using a story to illustrate this. And so he uses the imagery of oil that the Scriptures teach us about, and this, again, shows us how, what, what the Holy Spirit does. And so these bridesmaids were wise because they valued the oil. And the foolish ones were unwise because they, for whatever reason, thought they could make it without. They thought they could do it. And so they took a, a long enough, the wise ones took a long enough to last, and so it would not give up. Listen to what 1 John 2.27 says. It says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as is his anointing teaches you about everything and is true it is, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, I want you to focus on this passage for a minute. Like, like really focus in 
Like, wake up, you know, and no, focus in on this passage this morning for a minute. It's like, watch it to look at what it says. Don't just blow through it and just fast kind of blow through it and say, oh, whatever. I've read it before. Big deal. I, I know this. Look at what this says. It says, this anointing that you received abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Think about this. If there was something that was there that could give you that kind of a life, where you didn't need anyone to teach you, that you had someone or something working in your life that you could understand some very difficult to understand concepts, wouldn't you want that more than anything else? Wouldn't you sell whatever it took to get that? Wouldn't you understand that, man, I need that above everything else. I need to live like that. I need to live under that, uh, that, that thing more than anything else. See, the Bible here says, it gives this a name. It says, this is the anointing. And those who abide in this, there is blessing. So what's been taught to you, abide in him. See, here's the deal today. I, I think this is where we get tripped up sometimes and where this passage speaks so clearly and so loudly to us even thousands of years after it was written. You see, we get tripped up because we don't understand the gift that God's presence is. We don't understand the value of being in his presence. We don't value the glory and the blessing of abiding, living under. And abiding means to live under the blessing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're like, that sounds like a lot of church words, Pastor. Uh, Sounds like a lot of heady things that I don't get and I don't understand. Church, we don't walk in value of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I don't tell you that today to dog on you or to make you feel bad or whatever. None of those things. I don't want to do that. You see, just like when this passage in 1 John was written, this passage was written by the writer of 1 John to tell people, understand, this is what you get, and they didn't, uh, they didn't value this either. This is a common human condition that we walk, when we walk in valuing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, when we walk in valuing the oil, valuing the anointing, that that's where the blessing is, and that there is a million things we could value, but this is where it, it all comes down to. You see, the lesson from this passage is the wise were wise, and the fools were fools based on their valuation of the oil. The wise ladies thought ahead. They prepared. They took along enough. They knew if there was one thing they needed, it would be that oil. The foolish ones were foolish because, I don't, and they may have been caught up in the party. They may have been caught up in the moments and the pop and the circumstance of this huge event that was all, that was, it was a big part of their culture, caught up in the job and the role that they played as, as the bridesmaids in a place of honor and the responsibility. See, not only could they have maybe been caught up in the beauty and the wonder of, of their job, but also maybe in the, the job itself. They were busy. They had details to do, things to do, things to accomplish, important things to do. I don't know the story, but I do know this, that, that for some reason they did not bring along enough 
They had some, but, but not enough. You see, the truth this morning is this, is that the wise were wise and the fools were fools based on their valuation of the oil. Church, there is no anointing in halfway. As the band comes forward this morning, as, we, as I close today, you might be wondering what in the world this red number one pig is doing on, on this stage today. You're probably wondering that this morning. And as you, if you are not the first one, I've had this pig for a long time. It's, this pig, it means something to me. It, it came because, it all came back many years ago. My first job as a youth pastor, I, I, had, a, I had an office and I had, uh, I had some books that I bought when I was in college. They were on my bookshelf. There's about, there's about 10 of them. And, and I just didn't have a whole lot. And so I remember when I first became a youth pastor, sitting in my office saying, okay, now what do I do? Right? Like, I've been to college. I've been, like, what do I do now? And so I remember thinking, like, what now? And my office was like, I actually had a big office and I had nothing in it. It was completely empty. And I had a desk and I had a giant computer because back then that's what we had. A, a giant computer. I had a desk. I had some bookshelves. I had a table in there and that was all I had. And I wanted something to go in my office on my bookshelves. I had seen other pastors and people have cool things in their bookshelves like well, I want something too. And so I was with some friends of mine uh, just shortly after I became a youth pastor. Um, I was with some friends of mine at, at Famous Dave's and some place in the cities. And, and this was our little thing we got. We ordered our food and they would give you this. And that was your number. And you go to a table and they bring your food. I said, I want this thing. And I said, I want that. I said, it's a pig. It's red. It's number one. No one else has one. I want to put that in my, in my office on my bookshelves. I want a story to tell about that thing. And so I wanted this pig. And so my friends were like, you can't have that. And one guy said, just take it. I said, I can't steal it. You know, I'm a pastor. I can't. Admit it. No, he said, I, I, I got to ask someone. And so I went and I asked the manager. I said, hey, can I, can I have the pig? I said, it's number one, it's cool. She goes, why do you want that? I said, it's red, it's number one, it's a, I just, it's a pig, it's cool, I, I want it. She goes, well, she goes, to be honest with you, I've never been asked before. She goes, people take those things all the time. And she said, yeah, it happens all the time. She goes, but no one's ever asked. And she goes, I'm not sure to tell you. And so she said, oh, hold on, I'll be right back. And so she, she leaves and she goes back and does whatever. We eat our food and we eat our meal and we're just hanging out and, 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 and no one came back. And I'm waiting for her to come back. Nothing came back. And so we're about to leave. I said, guys, we're not going anyplace till I have an answer. Now, I didn't drive. My friend drove. And he's like, I'm going to leave you here. I said, I said, leave me. I don't care. I'm getting that pig. Okay? And he said, he said, well, no, I will. I said, well, don't, please don't leave me. Okay, really. But I just, a few more minutes. And so I went and I asked the manager. And the manager said, well, yeah, I had to call my, she had to call her general manager. Okay? Like, for a metal pig, whatever. But so she calls her manager, and the manager said, fine, give it to him. I was like, yes, score. And so I set it down on the, on the counter, and I paid for my meal, and I walked out. And there the pig sat. And, and we got in the car, and again, this has been a, you know, kind of an ordeal, and they're making fun of me and laughing at me, and so I don't care. I, I want the pig. And so uh, we, we, we drove away, uh, got a few moments away. I said, oh, guys, hold on. I forgot the pig. And my friend said, I don't care. I'm not going back. And I said, you better go back. I was like, get. And that one guy goes, dude, he went through all this trouble. Just go back for him. And then we're like, like arguing about the pig for a while. And finally they turn around. We go back and we walk in. And the manager goes, I couldn't believe you went through all that trouble and didn't take your pig. She goes, here you go. She hands me the pig. And I was like, yes, 
I've got something for my office now to tell a story with, okay? I put that thing on my bookshelf, and there it has sat since that day. Now, here's the deal. Is I didn't value this pig, okay? My, my value was not for a red metal pig with number one on it, although I wanted it. it wasn't, my value didn't lie here. My, my value lied in the story and in, this, and in what I wanted pig to represent. You see, I wanted this to be on my shelf because I wanted a cool story. I wanted... I want something on my shelf because I was a newly admitted youth pastor with, with nothing to, sh to prove. So this is my first thing. I, I, I want this. You see, here's why this gets confusing for us sometimes. Because we, we value things all the time that seem to matter. We don't understand and think deeply about what we really are valuing. That God's called us to value the oil of the Spirit. Why? Because He, the anointing, is how you walk through life. You don't walk through life just to get a good story. You don't walk through life just to have a good job and have a great family and have a great story to tell. You walk through life under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there are so many things that try to get in the way of that understanding. When God tells us in his word, this church, the anointing, this, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this is what matters. And if you want to end well, if you want to be not foolish, but be known as a person who is wise, then this is what you walk in, and this is what you value. Would you stand across this room this morning? You see, the problem with the foolish maidens, the problem with these maidens who are foolish, they represent those who take enough of the oil of the Spirit. Now listen to this. This is important. These foolish maidens represent those who gladly take enough of the oil of the Spirit to give them immediate help in their problems. They're like, oh, my life's got a lot of stuff in it, and so I need some help, and so I'm going to get my help from the Word. And, and so they get just enough of the Word in them to get through life. Some, they, they want release from fear or guilt. So they want the Word in their lives to get a little bit of something to help them through the day. But they have never come to the place where there is a full surrender to the will and to the authority of Christ. Church faith must go deeper than doctrine. And the anointing is evidenced and the oil is poured out. We consistently put ourselves under the pitcher of oil that the Holy Spirit is and allow Him to wash over us and allow Him to pour over us. And we put ourselves back in there and back in there time and time again. That church, there is wisdom and there is blessing when we come and say, God, I value the oil of the Spirit. I value the anointing, the leadership, the direction of the Spirit of my life more than anything else. Amen? That's the call God's placed upon our lives. We make decisions that reflect that. And when we're in our spot of need, we always come to that. Listen to what John 16, 13 says. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And, when he, when, and he will declare to you the things that are come. He will glorify me, for he will not, he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. That's anointing, church. Value that. Listen. Respond. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, I understand today, Lord, that this is a concept that, Lord, many of us is, for many of us, Lord, is unfamiliar. 
Lord, the anointing of the Spirit, Lord, is a word used in the Bible, but not a word oftentimes used in modern culture. And Jesus, we need to have an understanding of this concept, Lord, if we're going to understand the blessings you've placed upon our lives. Lord, we've been anointed. Lord, you've poured out your oil of your Spirit upon every believer in this room. But Lord, if we don't value that anointing, Lord, if we take that and just want just enough to get us through the day, or we want just enough to kind of make it and make it be happy and maybe enough just to make our kids be happy or make our lives feel better, whatever. Lord, if that's our whole constant, our purpose, Lord, we are named among the foolish. And Lord, that is, a not, that is not a place we want to be. Jesus, teach us what it means to value the oil of your Spirit. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, heads bowed, eyes closed, you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this, that you're, the hope, what you're looking for, it's not found in, in money, your job, in a girlfriend, a boyfriend. It's not found in, a, in, a, in anything. It's found in, in Jesus Christ. And maybe you've had religion before and you're like, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, guess what? I will promise you that if you turn your life over to Him, and not a religion or an ideal, but turn your life over to Jesus who is alive and who's working, you will never look back on this day. I'm going to give you a, a chance today to give your heart to Him. Christians be praying across this room right now. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to pray after me this morning. I'm going to pray. We're all going to re repeat this. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray especially this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my future. Will you come on into my life? I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my past. Forgive me. Clean me. Change me. Make me brand new. And from this point forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God some glory this morning, church, for those who have come to know Jesus. We rejoice. Again, heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. We're, gonna let, we're just going to sing a song. If I could have the prayer team come forward this morning, the line across this room. You might be here today. You might say, Pastor, I need, I need God to minister in my life in some way. You might need a touch. You just might need some time just to let God, just let this message soak into your heart. These folks are here to pray with you. Of course, if you want to be by yourself, that's fine too. But let's let God just, get, let's just give God some time today to allow this concept to, to, to deepen within us, right? Church, God's called us to value His presence, to value the spirits, to value that oil. Let's let God speak into our lives right now. And I want to ask you that question. Does your life reflect the foolish or reflect the wise? I want to close with, a, with an encouragement today because this passage here is actually quite encouraging and you may not have seen it, but you may not, you may have noticed that all ten women fell asleep. See, your your hope is not if you're feeling like you're tired or you're, you're broken or whatever it might be and you know Jesus and you have looked to him as your hope. Your hope is not trying to dig down deeper and try to find the hope down someplace in your heart, right? That's not, you'll find it, it won't work, it doesn't happen, we know that, right? And, and the, the world says that, but it doesn't work. See, this, this passage is so encouraging because 
they all fell asleep. They all came to the end. They were all tired. But what got them through was that they brought enough of the, of the, the oil with them. And that oil sustained them through and helped them to walk through to the end and not just be counted as wise, but be counted as blessed, right? Again, your hope lies in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Amen? That's where your hope lies. That's where your heart lies. That's where everything lies. It doesn't lie in trying to do the right thing or digging down deep and, and such. It lies in this. And church, if you're tired today, if you are weary, if life's got you weary, your hope lies in saying, God, my value is placed on the anointing you put on my life. That's how you speak. That's how you work. That's how you raise your children. That's how you help your children raise your grandchildren. That's how you are a blessing in your workplace. That's how you are blessed as a boss. That's how you have a significant ministry. All that comes, starts, and stops with the anointing God's placed upon your life. You're like, what's my anointing, Pastor? I'm not you. I'm not God. I can't tell you that. But I know enough about God to know this. And when you put this in the right spot, he has a tendency to speak very clearly, right? And he starts with his word and he continues with his spirit. Let's pray today and ask Jesus to let this sink deep in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Lord, we put our lives and our hearts in your hands. Lord, I know that there are all kinds of people today, Lord, some here, that love you with all their hearts, some that, Lord, are, 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 are not sure yet, and, Lord, some that are someplace in the middle. But, God, the call to all of us is the same as that, Lord, there is wisdom when we put our lives and our hearts, we let rest that on you. Jesus, when we go all in on your anointing, Lord, when we make that, Lord, our value, Lord Jesus, we are anointed to minister. We are anointed to work. We're anointed to serve. We're anointed to do what you've called us to, Jesus. But Lord, that anointing doesn't come because it's, because it's inside of us. It comes from you. Jesus, there's moms and there's dads here today that are, that are at the end of their rope. They are called as parents. They are called to raise their children. But their hope is not found in anything else but in the anointing you place in their lives. There are those in jobs here, Jesus, that, Lord, they are struggling to find their way out or find their, the, the, the spot that they're supposed to do in this job. Lord God, their anointing is not found in trying to, to, to figure it out. They're, they're, Lord, the goodness, the, 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 it's found in, in, in that valuation, Lord, of your spirits. Jesus, speak to us today. And we value the anointing this week that you placed on our lives and hear from your voice. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone sets.